1: Most people live life with a passive or victim mindset, that is that they feel powerless or apathetic at best. The simple realization that you have both choice and power means that you can create your life and this essential change puts you back in the driver's seat. It is a little bit scary, now you are driving but you can also crash, but you can also decide where it is you want to go. Obviously, your reality has limitations in the physical characteristics of the planet Earth. However, I see this as context rather than limitations. So you wake up in the context of being an Earthling. What do you do with it? It comes from inside. This is our reality. What do you choose to do with it? David Emerald wrote the classic, The Power of Ted similar to the Alpha Dude system in that the title can throw you at first, but once you understand that TED is an acronym for the Empowerment Dynamic, one can see its true worth. In this text, David covers victimhood in a short story narrative that is compelling and easy to follow. I mention this book not because he is the creator of the concepts in the book, but because he is, in my opinion, the most accessible. Drawing from Stephen Cartman's The Dreaded Drama Triangle, which is illustrated by the victim, persecutor and rescuer at each point in the triangle, it demonstrates an unhealthy way to live in the world, a victim, which unfortunately is many people's default mode. By using his AIR concept, air, attention, inattention and results, we can move to the creator dynamic where we create both where we are and where we want to be. It can be further illustrated by an elastic band that can snap backwards if we let roadblocks or victimhood get in the way. His alternative, when we take steps towards the place we want to be and move towards our goal, it relieves the tension in a positive way. This text is a recommended part of the Alphardud system. But the take home essentially is to stop being a victim, at least act like a creator, that is welcome to my reality, then take steps towards your goals to relieve the tension between the two. Incidentally, the famous CBT cognitive behavior therapy utilizes a similar cognitive dissonance in helping people to change things about themselves that they don't like. We'll talk more about this later. Still not convinced that you're a victim? Remember any time that you were wronged, or perhaps the time when you tried your best and failed. What about the interaction where you were talking to someone really close to you and they comforted you over something that happened? That's right, all these things are victim behaviors. We all cycle back to being a victim. Either interactions with others or reflections on ourselves, the payoff is huge, no matter. Where else in town can you get a free pass like this? The the victim was wronged, so it's not his fault. They don't have to go and try anymore because they already tried and they're comforted by the fact that they are in the right. If this sounds pathetic, you're absolutely right, it is. So how do we change? As I mentioned earlier, The Power of Ted is a great book and there are many others from the field of transactional analysis, which covers this also, The issue being is that many recovering victims sometimes come off a little bit weird in recovery. Sure, they're no longer victims, but now they somehow become focused on stating what it is they want or not helping anyone unless if they ask. This is to avoid rescuing. They also become socially awkward because, let's face it, the social games we play are the social lubricant. And to take this element away, we are often left with a dry and uncharismatic person. The solution? Identify the patterns, understand how you and others become a victim, then move on. Armed with this information, you can see where you fell into this trap and became a victim, and the negative consequences, how they followed on. Avoid these, perhaps using a sense of humor. There is a saying that If you lose one of your five senses, the other four enhance. But if you lose your sense of humor, everything diminishes. And then look at how you are playing the game. And don't take the victim role seriously. Make the decision whether or not you want to continue these games. Once you have done this and internalized the principles of the Alfredo system, the dramas that you will have will be high quality ones, replacing those constant day-to-day dramas that just wear you out. I think we've dwelled perhaps a little deeper than originally planned from attaining results to understanding social roles and how they work. Next we'll look at how our minds work. The best theory that I subscribe to is we have thoughts as a result of internal and external stimuli. This causes behavior. These thoughts are the result of very complicated processes. The facts that we are able to think about means that we can evaluate and experience the world. Uh, Neuro-linguistic programming is quite common and it describes that we generalize, distort and delete experiences internally to represent our world. All this means is that we have pretty amazing minds that can think. The potential for thought means that there must be a place that this can take place in. This is the subconscious mind. The expression of thoughts in recognizing them or in acting upon them takes place in the conscious mind. Therefore, we have to understand that a thought requires both the subconscious mind to accommodate it and the conscious mind to express it. Some theorists advocate that thoughts are universal and come from a big mastermind somewhere. I don't subscribe to that. But regardless, it makes very little difference because the understanding that your thoughts is one of the greatest steps that you can make. The understanding of your thoughts is one of the greatest steps that you can make. And this leads to the recognition of them for what they are, effectively allowing you adaptive distancing from situations. So if you can enter a situation with understanding that your thoughts are simply that, then those feelings of inadequacy can be traced back to where they came from. So feelings are simply thoughts, recognized by the conscious mind, generated in the subconscious mind. To cut the cycle somewhere would likely cure the problem, demonstrated by the following. Perhaps you have a feeling of shyness. The constructs of your subconscious mind may be too great to intervene with because a lifetime of conditioning has made you feel this way. Perhaps as a child something happened and you learned to function like this. Perhaps you found a lifetime of being rewarded with peace for not putting yourself out there, puts you where you are. Consciously, you can recognize these simply as thoughts. To truly recognize these thoughts and address them, that is, recognize them for what they are, is step number one. That would be all you need in the short term to get through any distress. But if you would like long-term results, then step two is holding these thoughts up to rationalization, using therapy, CBT, NLP, etc. Then you can control your behavior and you can stop being wimpy when the situation arises again. You feel it, you may dread it, but you have the potential not to act on it. The other component is the mirror. The other person is there, so they are feeling the same. Their past events and life experiences may have led them to this point where they are more confident than you, and your reality seems to be in question. But your reality is not in question at all. That person's projections are just thoughts. These thoughts are the results of their unconscious mind, etc., etc. At the end of the day, don't slip into victimhood. Rise above it and create. Oh, and while you're there, there Elevate people to the level you need to bring them to. Sometimes all anyone ever needs is to be believed in before they can move ahead. Once you are more self-assured, confident and powerful, it is easy to change others with minimal effort. If someone you highly respect, like your favourite celebrity, author or speaker, looked at you in the eye and confirmed that you are unique and amazing, Would it be more impactful than if someone you don't care about said the same thing to you? Without being cliche, be the change and bring it with you. One other powerful tip is that when you have somebody and they are talking to you and they seem to have it more together than you, simply don't buy into their paradigm. You can do this in a number of ways. Perhaps you can misrepresent what they say. They say something to you and you take it out of context. Perhaps they insult you. And you turn around and just pretend that, oh, you're having a bad day or ask if they're feeling okay, or perhaps you can ignore it. So if they want you to feel bad and you're showing no change in your emotional state from what they said, and instead you continue on the conversation as if nothing ever happened, it puts them so they then have to buy into your reality. These sort of tips and changes are only things that you can really appreciate once you try it on for yourself. Moving on, the following is one of the top techniques that therapists use to treat multiple anxieties, obsessive compulsive disorders, phobias and moving beyond limitations. A quick caveat, the legal disclaimer, anything you learn in this system, I'm not responsible for, take it as educational, etc. Okay, graded exposure. This did not appeal to me for the longest time. The concept of graded exposure is to gradually increase the intensity of any experience in the bid that the next experience would be slightly bolder. This has been used for a host of things like curing phobias, like social anxieties, to building confidence. The person who is shy around others may take the approach to go out into public and look at a person for day one. This may be a salesperson taking an order. Whatever it is, they must do it. Then the small goal is achieved, ready for day two, to build further onto their success. Day two, perhaps smile at a person or ask a question to a staff or salesperson in a different manner. Graded exposure uses the success from interactions to build up a record of other successes. The best people in any field have a wealth of background successes to fall back on. Famous actors audition for roles with the confidence in knowing that they have made perhaps a multi-million dollar blockbuster movie. Positive experiences in the past is proof that these people are good enough and that they can do it. Whatever it is, this is the factor that makes the difference. This is where faking it till you make it falls short also. If you have no prior success in... Social interactions, for example, then go out and try to succeed at a big social task. You're setting yourself up for great disappointment. However, like most Westerners, I have a problem with patience. I want things now. I'm not going to wait until the teacher shows me how. I'm going to ask how and then why. This is my roadblock for graded exposure. To take baby steps means to swallow your pride and admit that the situation is beyond yourself, it must be addressed step by step, however slow it may be. The rewards are great though. Before learning an instrument, the prospect of playing a musical instrument is beyond our abilities. Once learnt step by step, stages are reached, till eventually the musician can surpass his former dreams of playing advanced music. By perhaps writing advanced music and performing it live, it all started with a single step. So it seems that we're always taking part in graded exposure at some levels, right? Well, we are, although we're not conscious of it. We may take backward steps or overambitious steps, and these all take us backwards in the long-term. To avoid this, for any situation at all, step one, identify the goal or the thing that you want to make happen. Step two, devise small steps in the attainment of the goal. Step three, make sure that they're realistic While at the same time developing enough emotion and motivation to keep them compelling. Step four reflect on your successes. And when you persevere, you'll be able to move your goal further on. And the most important aspect step five ensure that these are things that excite you. What would you like to do? Would you like to write a book, be a best selling author, be a musician? make sure it comes from you. This approach has a scientific record that's proven to take you from where you are to where you want to go. I suggest that after listening to this, you take the approach to becoming the alpha dude using graded exposure. Traditional graded exposure works in this fashion, but to take it to the next level, I like to incorporate something called metacognition. This is where once you start to obtain your goals, you not only have small steps leading to where you want to go, but you simultaneously develop a groove so that you can become such a person rather than being a person who has done something. It becomes at the level of your identity. Make up your own goals. Just watch out for your two enemies in this, lack of motivation and complacency. Throughout this podcast and other audio, you will develop the tools that you need to understand and overcome all of these barriers. Victimhood is the default state of most of society. It is way easier to place the blame somewhere else rather than take responsibility. It's only when we take responsibility for our lives, we can truly live out our potential. This process may be a decision or it may be a journey. Often this is in the form of the hero's journey. This week, we bring back Michael Cass to discuss his journey out of victimhood.
0: What it looks like and what it means to journey from being a victim uh, to being a hero or the fullest expression of yourself or whatever whatever my version of that is. And I love this question because I spent most of my life, probably two thirds of it so far, if not more, uh, feeling like I was a victim. Right. And it's it's tricky because I'll be very transparent and say that, objectively speaking, I'm I'm not a victim. Right. I am live in the United States. I'm a white heterosexual male. Um, I grew up. Not hugely well off, but well enough off. I had great education. So in all of the ways that are kind of important external markers of privilege, I kind of ran the board and, and was was doing really well and uh, went through life feeling like a victim, constantly feeling like I wasn't good enough. Even as I attained a certain level of success in academics and in school and in, in my work, uh, I felt... And, and truly believed that I wasn't worthy of any of that success and that I was fooling everyone, that at any moment somebody would look at me and go like, who is this guy? What, what, he, he doesn't belong here. And I had all sorts of reasons for calling myself a victim. I had a lot of data to back that up, right? I'm not particularly tall. I'm five foot six, six inches tall, seven on a good day. Uh, I lost, started losing my hair at an early age. My teeth are a little bit crooked, right? So physically um and there's all sorts of sociological studies to back this up i am uh i am sociologically selected to not be as successful as taller uh more hair intensive guys right and so in that way i i was a victim of circumstance uh other data i found was about my parents right i grew up in an environment where my mother chain smoked and my my parents fought quite a bit and growing up in that environment made me a victim of low-grade emotional abuse right and so i assembled this story in which I would always be almost, but not quite good enough to be successful that I would almost, but not quite date someone and have a, a great relationship. And this was just going to be my lot in life. It was all very tragic. Um, and what happened is that story got really, really heavy and it got, The heaviness came not just from the story itself, but also from a deep lingering feeling that at base level, this actually wasn't who I was. That This story of identity that I constructed was actually in direct opposition to something within me that wanted to be more, that had come into this reality and been born and incarnated, whatever word you want to use, that had come into this place in order to do something significant or meaningful. And the disparity and tension between that belief, which had been with me my whole life and really started to bubble up heavily in my 30s, and the identity that I'd constructed for myself, ended up taking up so much energy to maintain that it eventually uh, brought me to my knees in uh, what manifested as a pretty dark depression. Um, I'd been... Low grade depressed for most of my life. And this was fundamentally different to the point that I ceased being able to function. Friends had to come over and cook and clean for me, Um, that kind of thing. And I remember going to my therapist. I had started therapy about eight months before this happened and asking how to pull out of it. And she more or less said it would take five to 10 years to construct a new a new way of being, which was entirely too long. Like at this point, I didn't have five to 10 years, something needed to change now. And so for me, that shift from that victim mentality into a new way of being started with a a fairly dramatic gesture of quitting my job, dumping out my life, and going to work with healers in South America um, and other places, really delving into old school rites of passage. And these rites of passage uh, have been around for thousands of years. We've gotten away from them in modern Western society. But the basic idea is that they are rituals that strip everything away until you are left looking at the discarded shards of your constructed personality and coming directly into confrontation with those parts of yourself that maybe you've been afraid to look at. Um, And when that happened, I just sort of said that very quickly, it was the most terrifying thing I've ever done to actually go inside and question every assumption I'd ever held about myself and to really explore deeply the question, who am I? And the question I asked going into these rituals was, help me remember who I am. Who am I? And it ended up reducing me to nothing because that victim mentality had probably entered me epigenetically, passed down through generations, um, even before I'd been born. And so when I came into the world, I was already in a way carrying those belief systems. And so to dismantle them, I had to basically start from scratch. And during some of these rituals, I forgot how to breathe. They had to retrain me how to breathe. I forgot how to see. Uh, I, I had to relearn how to walk. Like not super fun. And on the other side of it was... A really deep feeling of groundedness and connection, both deeply within myself and also to something greater. You can call it the divine. You can call it uh, the earth or the stars or or, or whatever. There was a sense of no longer being alone because the victim mentality um, that I had embodied for so long was deeply isolating because I wasn't worthy of connection. And so one of the main things for me in moving out of that place of victimhood was there was really two things that happened. The first was deep exploration and facing those parts of myself that had been in the shadow that had not been illuminated and not just facing them. It wasn't really a confrontation. It was more an embrace and an integration, finding those, the beauty in those places within myself that I had assumed there was no beauty. And then... Related to that, once that happened, there became possible a connection with the larger world, not just with the other human beings going through the ritual with me, but also with this sense of the universe as a greater organic whole. And I remember a specific moment of really feeling deeply, oh, I am infinitesimally small in the scheme of things, In the scheme of the universe, and the whatever, I'm very small and also I am an integral part of the entire system. Without me, it doesn't work. And that, to me, was the beginning of really becoming, not necessarily the hero, um, because I've actually moved away from thinking about the hero's journey, but I will definitely say a more active participant in the co-creation of the universe um, with the sort of primal energy of creation, and then also with um, my fellow human beings. Um, And for me, the idea of fulfilling your potential is less about or has become less about, okay, this is what I can accomplish and I'm gonna get the job and get the car and get all the things, and has become much more about how can I use those talents and ways of being that are uniquely mine in order to be of service to the larger community? how can my soul which is that part of myself that had been so at odds with that victim narrative how can my soul show up in a way that it helps others who may be going through the same journey i was going through that can help towards raising the the for lack of a better term the collective consciousness of the world so we stop messing each other up and messing the world up Um, And so for me, that's the real journey. It's not necessarily from victim to hero. It's from victim to deep connection with the self, to deep connection with the, with the, the greater, larger humanity and community. And then in, within that connection, then the question becomes, how can I participate and give back and be of service? Um, through co-creating in a way that's uniquely mine, which is a little bit, I think, a a slightly different um, rendering of the idea of the hero in the hero's journey because in this reading, all of us are heroes because we're all co-creating together. There's not one hero or two heroes. The idea is that everybody's on this journey together. We're all climbing this infinite ladder and we're all reaching up for help from folks who have come before us and we're reaching down to help those who are after us. Um, and so for me, that's what it means to fulfill your highest purpose is to get to that point of not just serving your own soul, but also being of deep service to others. Um, and that journey is facilitated either consciously or unconsciously by these thresholds, crossing over these thresholds through either rites of passage that are consciously entered into, or sometimes the world throws rites of passage at us. That we would rather not have. It might be the death of a parent. It might be um, it might be an illness, a car crash, anything that brings us into deep um, deep exploration of and integration with ourselves. Um, so that is the journey. Thanks for listening. you enjoyed the podcast. If so, rate it from the place you downloaded it. For any questions, send an email to michaelpulser at gmail.com. If you liked the podcast so far, you will love Michael Pulser's new book coming out soon, Alpha Dude Personal Upgrade. In this text, we look deeper at the Alpha Dude system with many not-seen-before tools and techniques which will upgrade you so you can fulfill your potential. Stay tuned for details.